Blended. Welcome to Marketing Blend, where I give you everything that you need to know that's going on in the marketing world, industry, whatever you want to call it. I'm your host, Brett Deister, and let's get on with the marketing news. Snapchat, yes, that Snapchat has announced a partnership with different types of ads and creative units to, well, A, ramp up its ads because it actually needs to find a way to become profitable and, well, the analytics side has been extremely lacking and law businesses are not really wanting to jump in because they just don't know how well it will work, what's working, those types of things that a lot of the other social networks actually have. Well, besides Instagram, Instagram has also lagged behind on that too, but there's also a lot of other third-party programs sites that actually do aggregate that so they already have that already in order but snapchat i've found maybe one that actually kind of does it doesn't do a really good job because well i mean there's a lot of things that's been lacking with snapchat so yes they're they're announcing ad api so buyers can effectively and programmably run ads on the platform and uh quality control as well so that means Snapchat will be looking at the ads and making sure that they're not overwhelming their users because if they're overwhelming their users, they are going to piss off their users. And uh, companies don't want that because then eventually people will leave and, well, there you go. No no use for the for Snapchat anymore. Um, they do have a couple partners already lined up. Uh, Vayner Media, who is co-founded by one of the top people that have invested in Facebook and all of them is the only one in both groups of it. But it's great thing is that data will be coming and brands will actually be able to see what's hitting, what's not, what they can do to change it, what kind of times that people are actually interacting with their snaps and those types of other things. And hopefully it will actually show you if your geo filters are actually doing really well or not. I mean, you can, probably figure it out but really it's still a little bit difficult to do a lot of that stuff so i mean this is a great thing maybe a lot more third party partners can actually give a lot more analytics and snapchat doesn't really have to do it maybe later down the road but it is coming ads are coming i know users are like no i want it to be pure but unfortunately if you want this social media network to flourish and still become viable, they need to figure out how to monetize it so they can still be there for the years to come, or at least another year to come, because I don't know how much long-term they could actually plan, but yes, it is coming, it is bound. For us marketers, that's a great thing. For users, might not be so great. It might actually be really annoying ads. I don't know how they're gonna play out. If they're traditional ads, it might be a little weird to actually see it. It's probably gonna be more of Snap ads and just product placements that I can foresee, or maybe just custom filters. I still feel like it's the best way to advertise, but we'll see what actually happens with that. All right, most of you know, or should probably already know by now, is that LinkedIn was acquired by Microsoft on Monday. That was a huge surprise to everybody, including me. Did not expect it coming, but it did come. What does this really mean is that there's different reasons why this could actually mean more of CRM meets social. Uh, your online resume is now owned by Microsoft. Uh, there's going to be a lot more social integration, probably with their products, especially email. Probably going to get a lot better 
uh, ad placements and a lot better just information based off just LinkedIn's uh, search or almost data that they have. Uh, they're actually going to get a built-in blogging platform as well because of LinkedIn's own blogging platform and a myriad of other things. They're just going to get a whole swath of new data, plus with the B2B service already established on LinkedIn and working out pretty well. They already have another revenue stream coming in through that. What LinkedIn gets, well, they kind of get to be still relevant for a while. I still think that they should probably change a lot of things in LinkedIn, but that's my thing. And they just really haven't monetized very well on their own site. I still feel like they need to really upgrade a lot of their assets to actually match what other social networks are doing. They still really don't do video at all. They haven't really gotten into live streaming at all, which I think is a lot more beneficial for businesses, especially if they want to do one-on-one interviews and kind of have people join in and you know have really great interviews with one another, especially if you're an influencer. So I think there's a lot of things that they need to actually catch up on and actually do a lot better job. Beyond that, it's pretty robust, pretty good website. There's, like I said, there's some things that need to be changed, but if this does impact just everybody else impacts us specifically because now we're kind of more into Microsoft than we actually wanted to be. And this could uh, hamper, it could hamper businesses in some ways. It could have a tighter integration with Salesforce too. So like I said before, this could be a very interesting, a little tidbit. This could be a very interesting uh, move for LinkedIn and especially Microsoft because this is one of their biggest ones to date besides Nokia. And so we shall see where this actually transpires and it actually is a good deal for the both of them. I think Microsoft is actually going to have a bigger advantage for acquiring LinkedIn than the other way around, but it could be actually really beneficial for both. That's just more of my speculation. Now moving on to Twitter. Twitter is actually allowing brands to, uh, you know, target ad through emojis. So now you can target ads on specific emojis. Now there are multiple emojis you can do. You can only really do one, which is a little unfortunate because most people use multiple different types of emojis in their tweets. But for those marketers that are like, why would they do this? This is weird. It's actually not weird. It's actually a pretty smart move because most people write in emojis now. They might even exclusively use emojis. A lot of just words being typed is quite down, and we're going to see more and more emojis being used as more and more come out uh, in the coming years because there's still a slew of more coming out with the new update and everything trying to implement with Android and iOS. So you're going to see a lot more of that happening, and just targeting on emojis could actually help a lot of different brands. Uh, just target people specifically in their industries and probably even engage with them a little bit more as long as their ads are actually pretty good. But yes, this is a little bit of a smart move. I kind of wish they did a little bit more than just one and actually multiple emojis, but you will now be able to target ads through emojis now. Yay! So if you're looking for that basketball or whatever beauty product, if you're in one of those industries, you can now finally do that. Hopefully, eventually in the future, they will actually do more than just one, but right now it's only one. All right, now the biggest and most hot topic in marketing, or one of them I should say, is uh, location targeting. Uh, It's one of the biggest ones right now. Everybody's talking about it. Pinterest, Google, and Facebook are all announcing new tools uh, to better target uh, people or consumers to the businesses and for businesses to find out how much of an impact online ads or social media does for them purchasing 
offline. And so usually that's been a really hard thing for a lot of businesses to actually do because either they've been doing it wrong, the technology wasn't there, or it was just really difficult to do or beyond people's expertise. But they are actually finding better ways of doing that. And so location uh, search, location SEO is starting to become a bigger business because, well, in 2015, approximately $4.8 trillion was spent in retail spending online. Uh, so that's a, a lot of money being still spent offline. Now, you always think that, oh, everybody's online. Not as much as it is with uh, offline retail. Offline retail is still huge. I don't see it really going anywhere for quite a while until um, it, VR, I guess, kind of picks up with it or AR kind of, you know, matures. Either those two are going to mature and then that's going to actually change it because you can actually see the product a little bit more, see if it fits if they could actually do something like that that actually would be pretty genius but roughly 350 billion dollars is spent on e-commerce so e-commerce has to catch up a little bit to that to actually you know rival it and it's not really quite there yet offline spending is still making large money and it will still continue to do that now um, Google, Facebook are going to find ways of actually helping with that as well, as long as with Pinterest, because they've all kind of announced new tools with campaigns and keywords, creative channels and publishers can be optimized based on offline actions. So that's one they're going to do. Media planning becomes more efficient by exposing which channels digital and traditional are actually working uh, versus click session impressions. So you can actually see what digital channels are working, which one, which traditional like TV, radio, or uh, print is actually working because print is still a little viable, not too much as it used to be, but it's still a little viable. Uh, offline data can be used for online retargeting personalization. So if you can kind of figure out if someone bought something, bought a speci specific item, maybe you can say, hey, did you consider getting this? And then you can retarget them and hopefully they'll come back to shop if it's smart enough to figure out that and if you actually do some pretty good uh, retargeting you can actually get a uh, continued shopper if you do it well enough if you don't you're on your own uh, location history operates as a kind of cookies which is cookies is based on web search if you don't really know and that when you go to a website they'll have cookies to kind of track you and find you it, they call it cookies it's kind of funny because i think of just cookie monster eating all the cookies cookies uh, but yes, uh, the kind of cookies for audience segmentation and target, targeting based on real-world actions. Most of this has to be, well, the user has to turn on location-based options so Facebook, Google can actually track where they're going and kind of, kind of see where they're going as well. That's why when you look at Google uh, map searches or just, just search uh, a specific business in Google and you find the most busiest times to the non-busiest times, kind of like that bell curve shape. It's using location-based um, option that's turned on from a lot of users, and so that's why they can actually do that. And so both of them are trying to do that, and so if users have it turned on, they can figure that out. If they're not, you're probably going to miss some users because they probably all, all haven't turned on. And location analytics offer competitive and operational insights, so you can kind of see uh, who's buying what, what they're actually coming in for, all those types of things, especially for campaigns, 
uh, seeing what types of ads have been working and why they've actually been shopping here. So a lot of good insights for that. And it's only going to get better too. So this actually isn't going to be more of a niche network anymore. This is actually going to be pretty beneficial for small and larger brands to actually do lo location-based uh, SEO or advertisements and kind of see the impact it does for digital to offline because that has been lacking for quite a while and I'm glad to see it kind of pick up and actually be useful. Yeah, useful. Right, YouTube has announced a new app called YouTube Direct that lets small businesses, well, try to film professional videos. And I say tries because it depends on the user as always. If you're not very good at filming, it's no matter how many different edits and quick cuts and all those different types of things that you can do may not work. But there are two things. One, you can film uh, by yourself through your phone, but it's iPhone only, so Android users don't get it quite yet. I don't really understand that because Google owns Android and it's not there first, so I'm not really quite sure that's not there yet, but reasons, that's always, that's always what I don't understand, reasons from Google that they did that. Uh, so instead, for iOS, they can actually do that, or if they just don't have the time, the money, or the skill, talent to actually do it, they can hire a professional filmmaker to help create ads. So it's a nice little trade-off if you want to do it for YouTube, and you, feel like you can do it but then you figure it out and you're like i i can't do this i'm gonna go get somebody else to do it so yes it's awesome now let me say this it's only available for us and canada right now it'll eventually roll out to other ones but like i said before uh this is kind of new it's kind of great to see because i mean video ads are becoming on the rise video ads are becoming the most beneficial way of Advertising to your customers and text and picture text specifically is not the most favorite anymore. Nobody wants to read, which is a sad thing because I love to read. There are a couple other things called YouTube Director on site, which helps advertisers who spend more than $150 on YouTube ads can actually go to on site uh, creator studios and kind of help get some guidance through that. And the current cities available is Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. They said that more of these places are going to be coming soon, so be on the lookout for it. But if you're not in those one of those areas, I would not even try to do that unless you want to travel a lot or travel one day if you want to. But yes, you can get extra help as long as you spend more than $150 in YouTube ads. And that's the only way you're going to actually do that. So... Best of luck to everybody. Hopefully this actually helps out with a lot of small businesses that really do want to reach their audience through YouTube and doing YouTube ads because it can be a very powerful platform to actually do that. And for small business to actually have a slick advertising uh, video could help them out quite a bit. As long as it's good. If it's kind of cheesy and it's not meant to be cheesy, eh, if it's cheesy and it's actually meant to be cheesy, it actually, actually could be... Mm, Kind of good, kind of interesting way of doing it. All right, there is a new social intelligent platform uh, called Unmetrics. It has a Discover tab that allows you to see what brands have done in different types of ad campaigns, uh, hashtags specifically for holidays or for unofficial holidays, which are thousands of them that I can't even ever keep track of anymore. 
Uh, so you can actually see what in real time what brands are doing and see what they've done in the past. You can also see where uh, some of it has been lacking and where there's opportunity in those other campaigns that have been lacking to actually benefit from you. Now, I did check the site out. It looks pretty good. However, the pricing is a little expensive, so I don't know how many small businesses are going to actually use it. It's about $300 a month, which is really expensive. Even I was like, oh, I'm interested. There is a 14-day trial, by the way, so you can actually try it out. But I was like, oh, I'm interested. I'm like, oh, price. Way out of budget right now. Way out. Not even going to go close. You can use other programs and websites to actually figure out that as well. Uh, BuzzSumo is actually a pretty good one to actually figure out if you can uh, find the best campaigns or influencers as well. But there's a myriad of other ones as well. This is just kind of a nice, easy way of finding all of it and seeing which one works, which one doesn't. Like I said before, it is quite pricey, but luckily they're giving you a 14-day trial. So if it doesn't really work out, you can just cancel that. Like, nope, not going to do it. No, too expensive. Doesn't actually work for me. That type of thing. But I'm seeing a lot of small businesses maybe actually pass on this, but it does look interesting. It does give you a lot of great analytics for likes, comments, and to see what the ROI is. Uh, and it also does it for organic and paid reach or posts as well. So check it out if you want to. I'll put it in the show notes if you really want to check it out and see what it's all about. Now, Facebook's VP of Europe, Middle East, and Africa told Forbes Powerful Women International Summit in London that in five years from now, everybody will be using video. We will not be actually, you know, using text anymore because that's so old school. We don't need to do it. Which is interesting for businesses to understand is because right now, most businesses really don't do video a lot or are trying to do video a lot. And this is just a better touch point on an executive saying, hey, look, in five years, it could. Now I say it could because that could always change. Facebook and their executives can only predict the future. It, still kind of going to be a murky thing, but it's pretty good indicator that video is going to take over social media. It's probably going to surpass as the number one thing to do unless something else comes of age or comes up new and innovative. But yes, video is going to become the go-to media for consumers to, well, consume. So you might be on the lookout for that. You might try to actually implement a strategy that allows for more video and less words, probably a little less pictures as well. Even though pictures is still pretty good right now, overwhelmingly for Facebook, video is the best one to do right now. So you might want to look into that because that's what it's all about, people. It's going to what people actually want the most, and it's going to be video, and it's going to be video more and more. Now, she did say that uh, Video 360, the one that you could, you know, look around in 360 degrees, you can see what's going on, will become less of a novelty and more of a implemented tried-and-true tactic, which could actually happen. However, a lot of the cameras have to come way down in price because they are very expensive right now, and that's the problem with it. A lot of them are three grand or more, and it's really expensive to do anything like that. So you're going to have to wait a little while for them to actually, you know, bring down the way they develop it and just kind of the supply chain to actually make it more manageable for anybody to actually buy. Because right now it is really expensive and a lot of people aren't going to spend money on that type of thing. But yes, look out for that. It's going to happen. Video is going to overtake something somehow. I hope text doesn't just completely die because we understand how to write, but some people may not actually want to do that anymore. Yay. All right. There was a survey 
that actually came out that actually looked at P2P services like Android Pay, Apple Pay, all those other P2P services. And it looks like Android Pay is still the number one P2P service used right now. Now, this is not a big surprise for me because I know that Android is one of the most popular or one of the most widely used uh, mobile operating systems out there right now. It beats iOS hands down because iOS is very expensive all third world countries or developing countries, whatever whatever terminology you actually want to use. That's how it is right now. And so Apple Pay is actually third. And the reason why is because it's mainly only been app to app purchases or your phone to something that's enabled for Apple Pay. Now they're going to be opening it up or have opened up to desktops as well. So you're probably going to see a lot more adoption rate go up a lot faster. However, since Apple or iOS is a very uh, small segment or not as big as Android, you're still going to see Android Pay as the number one app or P2P service used. So when looking into doing e-commerce, you might want to implement both because both are probably going to be your best bet. Now, number two is the retail mobile apps, which a lot of retailers don't really have mobile apps that can actually do P2P services. So I don't know why that's number two, but it's only one, number two by 1%, so it's not really that big of a discrepancy. Uh, Android Pay is still a bigger one because it's 19%, so there is a there is a bit of discrepancy. And then, like I said, Apple Pay is number three, uh, Samsung Pay is number four, and then Master Pass is number five. Currency, which is weird because it really hasn't taken off or really done much, is number six. And then... Windows Phone Wallet is the last one to, you know, kind of round it all off because I didn't even know Windows Phone had a wallet. And I do a tech a lot, which is weird, but hey, that happens. There is a lot of consumer ignorance in this space because they are always talking about security and privacy, but the number one reason why a lot of people don't use it is security concerns. The funny part is, is that these P2P payment services are a lot more secure than just using your debit or credit card because they do have a lot of extra security measures. Now, if your phone does get well attacked and a hacker does get root access to it, then there's another problem. And that actually is your fault. The other one is, is privacy concerns, but you're more secure with that then actually using just your credit card as well, like I said before. What they actually do is they use a random set of numbers and they send it off to the retailer and then the retailer kind of figures it out or they kind of show them what it is and then they actually get the credit card number. So if a hacker does attack a retailer, they only get a randomized numbers that they don't really understand. So there is quite a bit of security in that and privacy as well because they're not actually using your credit card number anymore. They're using their own randomized set of numbers, which is very secure unless your phone is hacked. Then, well, that's your problem. And then the number third reason is not accepted widely enough. And that is a little true. Uh, some places do, some places don't. It's still pretty new. And a lot of the other small square and all those other uh, e-retailer companies are eventually willing out with this. So you're going to see a lot more of this happening. A retailer's not prepared, which is kind of the same as not accepted widely enough. And convenience of current payment methods, which uh, that's, that's, that's a misnomer to me. And then no hesitation is rounding off the bottom. But it's interesting to see that there's a lot of consumer ignorance right now. And I don't think businesses have done a good enough job to say, hey, this is way more secure than what you're doing right now. Now, for millennials, uh, the P2P services 
is also really popular among them. One is the banking payment app. Second is Google Wallet because Android Pay and Google Wallet are actually two separate apps now. It used to be Google Wallet was the P2P service like Android Pay and then they split it off. And then Google Wallet does kind of more single transactions to somebody else. Vemo number three, Square Cash number four, and then several other ones that I don't know of. Interesting enough, Facebook Messenger is quite down there because, well, Facebook's trying to do everything. But yes, you can actually do that if you wanted to. So if you want to pay back somebody, this is a quite easier and safer way of actually doing it. But for businesses, this is just another wake-up call of, hey, you really need to push people or at least accept uh, these types of payment systems because these are going to be a lot more easier for consumers to actually use. And there's a lot more private protected and it kind of alleviates you from a lot of liabilities of being hacked because that is going to happen. So I highly recommend that you find a way of turning on at least Android Pay and Apple Pay and getting that functionality working for you. If you're using Square, it's already going to be working because they already updated their uh, system and card reader for that as well. It's going to be a little bit more pricier because it's using different things. But yes. That is going to happen. Now, I talked before about location-based ads and marketing, and Facebook has provided new tools for that as well, both for online ad efforts to offline sales. And this is going to be specific because, like I said before, this is going to help businesses figure out uh, if their ads are getting people to come into their store. Because before, it was kind of a throwaway. No one really knew how much reach or impact it was doing, and it was kind of more of a guesswork. Now, Facebook is allowing you to have uh, conversion lift and seeing how it works and seeing if it actually makes them come into your business as well. Uh, Google kind of does the same thing, especially with the popular times. But like I said before, location-based services have to be turned on on their phones for this to actually work. And so I would not try to get people to say, hey, you should turn this on because we want to market to you. Uh, but a lot of them probably do have it on because they just don't really read anything anymore, especially with terms of services being pages and pages of words and sentences that don't make sense. Uh, this could happen. Also, Facebook does the same thing as Google with the most popular times right on the Facebook page. As long as you have an actual physical store and a certain amount of people actually come to your store, you'll actually get that so people can actually see it. Now, like I said before, the popular times does help for people to actually see when they should actually come, how much time they have, and how much how busy it's going to be at the specific time they're coming. Uh, but I think offline conversions and uh, shop locator is going to be a really great tool for a lot of businesses, especially businesses that are maybe in food and want to get people in a certain radius of where their location is. So like maybe five miles out. I would say about five miles out because it is lunchtime. There's only a certain amount of miles you can do it. So you can target specifically those businesses at that time or residential areas, depending on what it is. And you can get people to actually come here and be like, hey, try us out. We'll give you a 10% off coupon for whatever. Soup. Just made it up at the spot. But soup. And so this is actually going to help a lot. Uh, so marketers that actually haven't looked into uh, – location-based SEO or location-based marketing, they should actually be starting to look at this now because this is, this is the next wave of it. It's not just going to be just campaigns and there's more online conversions and impressions or clicks and impressions. It's going to be more of a conversion lift and seeing 
what, especially if you are a location-based uh, site or you have a business that actually has a physical store, this is going to be more impact than just your how well are you doing for your posts. It's going to be how are we getting people to actually come in here and what can we do to use it, do keywords, uh, target specifically male, female, both, and the age range of it, but your keywords is going to be hugely impactful as well. So you should look out for this. Now there's two Pinterest updates. One, Pinterest bot Flexi, which is a really popular Android iOS keyboard app. Now it became really popular on Android first, but when iOS kind of opened it up to everybody, they actually moved over to it. Now the interesting thing is Pinterest only really bought the company. They didn't really buy the tech or their key their keyboard uh, technology. Flexi has said that they're moving into Pinterest to help, you know, build up their amazing search, build up a lot of different things. Uh, but Flexi is not going away for the present time. Now, what does this mean for businesses? Well, it could actually mean Pinterest gets a lot smarter. Maybe even their own pre-built Pinterest keyboard that actually allows you to search and find different pictures through that as well because Google has an image search so why not try to actually have your own uh, and there's different things through stores maybe that's another thing because they are they have their own store for Flexi as well but there's a there's a lot of speculation it's kind of a little weird yeah and it is very weird uh, that Pinterest has bought Flexi because they are really just two different sectors of the tech side. Even though they're part of tech, Flexi has focused on keyboards and Pinterest is more focused on images and social network side of it. So it should be interesting to see what they're going to have to offer each other. But best of luck for both of them. I do hope Flexi is around for quite a while because it's actually a pretty good keyboard. I don't actually use it because I still like SwiftKey, even though it's owned by Microsoft. Because Microsoft is starting to own everything. All right, Pinterest also has uh, updated ads to add visitor retargeting and, and new targeting tools. So you can, you know, target people that may be similar to what your business is about, similar to their uh, habits and behaviors on Pinterest and retargeting them for specific items they've actually bought. This is a great thing because Pinterest is very much a uh, engage social media, especially with people going there to specifically do a project, find products, and probably buy them as well. So if you're a business that's been hesitating to join Pinterest, you should really look into it and find a way to actually do it. Because if you're not, you're kind of leaving the door open for a competitor to actually do it and to do it better than you and for you to be so far behind because it needs to figure out how to do it. You need to figure out how to do it. It needs to, you need to, I mean, but it's the business, your business needs to figure out how to do it. Like I said, Pinterest is a great site. If you know how to use it and how to use it effectively, it'll be really great for you, especially for sales. If you know how to do it and you know how to do it. their advertising platforms, I would say if you're going to, you know, launch into it, try to do a business uh, account first. So you actually have those analytic tools and the ad tools. If you don't, you won't have those ad tools. So do a business account. It's super easy to set up, especially if you have a WordPress and you're using Yoast SEO. It will be super easy to set up. That's probably the easiest way of doing it. And Rich Pin all, all your uh, posts and uh, products as well. That's going to be another indefinite, highly valuable thing to actually do. Now, there's a new report for Twitter that actually it's, it's invested $70 million into SoundCloud Music. 
Yes, Twitter actually launched its music service that didn't actually do quite well, and it actually considered buying SoundCloud in 2014, decided not to do it, and uh, it's never lost interest in it, but it actually has invested quite a bit of money into SoundCloud. Now, SoundCloud has been popular for a while, but it's kind of leveled off. It's flatlined as in ways that, you know, it's been hurting a lot because of the other music streaming services that have been taking away from its user base, especially with Tidal being an exclusive platform. A lot of the popular artists are like, I'm just going to go over here because it's giving me a better benefit than SoundCloud is. So SoundCloud has to find a way to innovate. I do think SoundCloud and podcasts is a new way of going, and it's probably going to be the best way for them to actually figure out how to monetize that quite well. But I'm not saying music is, they shouldn't be forgetting about music. They do have their own streaming service. I don't know how well it's actually going to impact their user base or actually impact their revenue, but it is another revenue uh, piece that they should invest in and probably differentiate quite a bit from everybody else because there are a lot of big players, Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, uh, Google Play Music has its own, YouTube Red, uh, got the music side of it too. But it would be surprised if, well, Twitter actually buys SoundCloud. It actually would be a pretty good buy for them if they can actually fork over the money to actually do it because they've not been doing well for quite a while. That's the other problem is both companies have been trying to figure out how to be popular again and how to reinvent itself and how to, you know, get users to come back and new users to actually want to create an account. Those are the two main obstacles for Twitter. Twitter has a vast portfolio of different social media networks, including Vine and Periscope, and those are two great ones. Vine has been not as popular as it used to be because it's been overshadowed by Instagram and Snapchat, but I'm hoping they start announcing new things for Vine because they need to start announcing new things for Vine because it is still a really great platform. You still can get a lot of views, and it is a really great creative way of broadcasting your company. But right now, it just seems like it's kind of just languishing. A lot of energy is devoted into Periscope. And I want to see more energy redevoted back into Vine and Twitter at the same time because Vine has not done a lot of updates for quite a while. I haven't seen, I haven't seen, heard, read anything about Vine, and it's it's kind of been a little bit quiet, which kind of concerns me a little bit about what's going to happen to the service. We shall see. All right, now, I did talk about this yesterday, and I think it's important to talk about it today. Twitter has allowed a new feature where you can retweet and quote your yourself. Now, I said digital coffee. This is more for just plain users. This is a dumb idea. Now, for uh, Throwback Thursdays or TBT, this actually could be a really cool idea for, like, hey, remember this time back here? Well... Let us know what you feel about us now, or those types of things could actually be really beneficial for businesses. Now, for narcissists, please do not retweet yourself every single day, being like, man, I made this awesome comment, because that's just going to drive me nuts. And you shouldn't be doing that. To be honest with you, you should not be doing that whatsoever. But yes, you can now do that for businesses, like I said, for uh, TBT uh, type hashtags. This could actually be a really good one, especially if you find really good tweets if you've done it in the past, and I would say a year or more, then it actually could be a really great, solid way of promoting yourself and building awareness of yourself. Now, like I said before, do this very seldomly. Do not do this all the time because then people will be like, why are you retweeting yourself all the time? This is a little weird. But yes, you can finally do that now. Yay. Yay. 
Weird. All right, Squarespace, yes. The ever-popular blogging platform, or self-hosting blogging platform, Squarespace, has introduced a consumer a commerce-focused analytics, so it can actually show you different types of analytics for e-commerce. Now, in the past, they've said that, well, e-commerce isn't a big deal with Squarespace. It's all about blogging, all those other types of industries, and then they're kind of like, well, actually, no, e-commerce is actually pretty big. Uh, side business for us. So now they've added a lot of great uh, analytics tools for you to kind of figure out the whole purchasing funnel, what's what's hitting, what's not, what is slagging, what marketing efforts are actually doing well, which ones are not, and figuring out which ways of doing it. Because clicks and impressions are great, but the actual purchasing of a product is a much better tool for businesses that are actually using Squarespace. So I like this. I like their new redesign of it and actually just giving you better tools for that. Uh, Squarespace is a pretty good place to actually host a blog or an e-commerce site now. Uh, but we'll see in the future what it actually does. But I'm glad they've finally seen the light that e-commerce is actually a thing and they should actually care about it. Yay, we're figuring it out. All right, Google has one more thing at launch Springboard, which is an AI-powered assistant for enterprise customers. Uh, yesterday actually and it allows well for marketers and all those people that actually do research to well not spend as much time researching which is great because it can take a quite a while to actually research different types of uh, keywords or different types of industries or different types of consumers or anything that you can think of it takes a while so this is actually a good thing for them to cut down on the searching and give a really good first analysis on uh, researching that you actually need for your job, your business, whatever, whoever owns it. Now, this is only for really enterprise and Google for work apps. So if you don't have that, you're not, probably not going to get it. We've also redone Google Sites and revamped it so it fits on all screens, just not the desktop, which is a great thing because Google has focused primarily for their SEO on, well, fast loading for mobile sites. It's actually optimized for mobile sites and AMP or accelerated mobile pages. So it's all a great thing. Like I said before, you you could get this, but it's gonna be primarily for Google for work apps. And so that's what they're targeting. And if you wanna do it, then you're gonna have to sign up for it. And it's gonna cost you a little bit of money to actually do that. All right, Buffer has come out with a new checklist guides, social media strategy slash aggregator for anyone from pros to beginners alike that are just trying to, you know, beef up their social media strategy. I actually looked over it. It's actually quite good and it's all free. I will actually put their link in the show notes if you want it, but I highly recommend it. Buffer is a great site for just posting social media posts, but they're also just a great company because they actually give you a lot of free resources. This is another one, so I highly recommend you download it and look at it and see if you can actually implement it with it. They also give you two Excel spreadsheets that actually can kind of, you know, do analytics for you, so you don't really have to know formulas for Excel because those can be quite, quite hard to figure out a lot of times. So I highly recommend it and just for you, just to get your social media game a little bit up than it is before. Now, if you're actually really great, then you don't actually need this, but spread it to your other friends that actually may need this as well. But like I said before, it's actually a pretty good resource, especially if you're looking into doing podcasting, videos, anything that'll actually give you pretty good uh, tools, tricks, and an infographic on how, what are the best times to actually 
use this. Now, I actually do want to get into a little bit of the reasons why you should actually care for your blog. Because of the acquisition of LinkedIn to Microsoft, the whole social media game is always, it's always up in the air. You never really know who's going to buy out who or if they're actually going to still be around there long enough. And if they're going to switch from an organic type post or to an algorithmic type post, which Instagram is actually doing. So the problem is, is that if you base it all off of that, you're going to be in trouble because if they change their rules, you have to change with them. You have no choice. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, our bad. Well, we'll change it back. Unless there's a big enough uproar, then they actually might change it. But a lot of them can, you know, go out of business. It, it, it's just not a good idea to build your whole strategy around one social network because they will change. They will get bought out and they will change their rules all the time. So it's good to actually, you know, brand and build up your blog or website because that's the way you can actually control your image, control your brand, and control the rules yourself. You dictate what you want to put on and what you don't want to put on, and that's a great way of doing it. So I always highly recommend that you always start off with a blog or a website and then you know build the strategy off from there. But if you are not maintaining, controlling that, and making sure that's up to date with all the latest uh, tools then you're actually missing out on it. So that is my little tip for you. Also, I want to talk about the new update for Yoast SDO. They recently just updated for 3.0, and 3.0 is actually pretty good. They changed it a little bit to actually now gauge or judge or measure your content plus uh, you're ranking SEO. So it's not just a matter of, oh, it's good for SEO, but also is your content good enough? Because SEO is tied to content. And so they will actually measure that as well. So now you have two green colors to actually hit or the green go buttons to actually hit. Uh, I tried it out. It's actually pretty good. It actually will tell you uh, different things you need to do uh, from red, yellow, and green obviously and it's just a little nice update and it's also a free update too so if you're actually using it which i highly recommend that you use check it out update it and it will just help you with your content because that's always what we need help with is making sure our content is solid there's a couple of programs that i want to talk about one is braid where it allows you to eh, work better uh it kind of integrates with google calendar and gmail to all seamlessly work and actually have project management and actually not have to pull out your hair because all these different projects and I don't know what's going on. So it actually seamlessly works. It's pretty good. I haven't really tried it out because, well, it is a little pricey. It's, it's You'll still have to pay money for it. $29 a month for just a single use or a single user, and then it goes to $100 for businesses. So it is a little pricey, but it actually seems like a really great idea to act to use. There's another, or new I should say, analytics tool. It's called Whatagraph. It allows you to visualize Google, Facebook's coming soon, and Twitter. Uh, you can sign up for free. There is a free plan. There's also a 14-day uh, pro trial plan as well. It will tell you visitors. Uh, it will give you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the days and show you which ones are doing better. It will give you the weeks as well. It will show you the week and it will give you just nice kind of an infographic like image so you can kind of see what's going on you can see new users returning users see which ones are actually doing better which ones are not it gives you a nice visualization of your data especially if you don't know what you're really doing uh now there are pricings for it the personal is kind of free it only gives you one trackable website so if 
if that's all you need, that's all you need, then woohoo, yay! But the pro gives you three to ten, so if you're more of a business that has several different ones, it's a good one. And for agencies, there it does 50 to 100 trackable websites and every pro feature included white label, customization reports, share reports with multiple recipients. So different things as well, especially for agencies, this is probably a pretty good thing. I would only get this because if you're sharing data with a lot of companies that don't really know what they're looking at, this can give a nice concise way of showing what's going on and there won't be like, Oh my gosh, there's so much data. I don't know what to do with this. So I recommend it. I'll put these two in the show notes so you can try them out as well. Now that is the end of Marketing Blend. Yes, it's been a fun ride, guys. And join me tomorrow when I talk about Gamers Cafe and E3 2016. Yes, it's been going on. It started off with a big bang, I guess, or kind of a low murmur with EA and then Bethesda and then... Uh, Monday was the other four press conferences, and now it's just a whole bunch of other publishers and developers just showing off their games. But I will be talking about that, giving my impressions of each of the press conferences. Also, follow Digital Coffee on Twitter at DigitalCO77EE, on Facebook at Digital Coffee, Google Plus on Digital Coffee, YouTube at Digital Coffee Podcast, Instagram at Digital Coffee Podcast, mine at digital.coffee. And if you like these podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Digital Coffee. All right, guys, have a great day and see you tomorrow. Later.